for your word. We thank you for the, the joy that we have in gathering together uh, to to think uh, on you and to learn of you and to uh, get our hearts set to um, to love Jesus more, not only in our words but in our in our actions. And we pray that you, by your Spirit, would be here with us uh, to um, to act on our hearts to change us, to transform us day by day, precept upon precept, that our understanding of you would be greater, that our love of you would be greater, and that it would be displayed in how we treat one another and how we engage the culture around us. May you give us hearts that are faithful, that we are able to discern what is right, what is wrong, and to act with right judgment and in holiness and purity for not only uh, our own lives, but for the sake of the church that you're building and you're growing and um, shaping to display uh, like a mirror the beauty of Jesus. Help us to be faithful to that calling. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are in Leviticus um, 13. And we've been going through, we started with chapter 12, the, um, the cleanliness code. And we're going to continue through that for the next 13, 14, 15, so that'll be the next three chapters. Last time, uh, we, we, um, we talked about how the, there's a, um, a duty of the priests to discern what is pure and impure, what is clean and unclean. And, and we, we saw that uh, both in uh, the previous weeks with the, the touching of dead animals. We saw that in last week with the, the issue of, of, of uh, blood coming from childbirth. This week, we're going to be dealing with um, the same duty to discern between what is clean and unclean uh, but it deals with, the next two chapters really deal with skin diseases. Again, just a joy to jump in Sunday morning and talk about skin diseases in Leviticus. But what's the point of it? What is this a picture of? As, as we talk about cleanliness and ritual purity in Israel, what is it a picture of? Do you remember? Holiness. Holiness in what way? Just say that I don't have skin diseases, or I, you know, I stay away from these people. What is it? A, what is it ultimately a picture of? What kind of holiness? God's holiness. He is perfect. God's holiness. He is perfect. And what? Cleanliness. Okay. And just for the sake of, for saying I wash my hands, or what? Okay. So there's a, there's a picture of unclean outcast idea versus the clean, and those who are part of the the community, um, there's a distinctiveness, maybe, that we could say, by some of these ritual laws that they're not like the culture around them because they are. it's a, a physical representation of them displaying the holiness of God, that they are His people. The next two chapters deal with sin ailments. And what, what's... At issue here is the purpose of maintaining the ritual purity of the people. Uh, chapter 13 provides a series of laws that are grouped into seven distinct cases and each follows a similar pattern. Here's the pattern. The law describes the initial signs 
that could indicate the presence of a skin disease and must therefore be examined. They got some issue. They got to check out. Then it gives a diagnosis to help the priest determine whether these signs uh, are in fact in indicative of a skin disease. Is it present? This looks like it. We examine it closer. Is it present? And then there's a pronouncement of pure and pure by the priest. It's at his discretion. Pure and pure. If there's a question, then there's a quarantine time for a period to see whether the signs progressed. And then at the end of the quarantine period, uh, the priest makes an official pronouncement. Um, it uses the term in chapter 13, leprosy, to describe what the priest is looking for. Hey, how are you? I, I've been showing your, uh, your Nicholas Cage birthday greeting to everyone. It's very awesome. So, um, it uses the term leprosy to describe these skin diseases. And I think that's unfortunate. It's not talking about what we commonly, currently understand medically as Hansen's disease, leprosy. The term in Hebrew actually includes a wide range, and you'll see a textual note in, in a, a good translation. You'll see a textual note at the bottom that says skin diseases, various skin diseases. And so it could include some of this. So it could include that kind of leprosy, uh, but it certainly includes a lot of other things. That's probably the safest way to approach it. A lot of the smart folks will say there's no recorded incidence of Hansen's disease, leprosy, uh, in the ancient Near East until about late first century BC. So they don't even, the idea is they didn't even know about this. They didn't have any kind of concept of what we understand as leprosy. But, but English translations still use the word leprosy, and I, I think it's misleading. Uh, probably a better uh, translation would be uh, ritual, ritual skin disease. Ritually impure skin disease or something like that. Because that's what's his issue. It's ritual purity. But that, you just, that doesn't work very well for memorization. So leprosy works. But that's the idea. It's what, something on the skin that is, that displays an unwholeness about the person that causes the question of, are they impure? Ritual impurity. Alright. Um, let's see. Let's look at, uh, we're not going to go through all of chapter 13. It's got like 50-something verses. We're just going to do the first two cases today, and we'll take the others uh, next time. But let's look at, uh, we'll start with chap uh, verse 1 in chapter 13, and we'll work through verses uh, 1 through 8 first. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest, or to one of his sons the priests, and the priest shall examine the disease area on the skin of his body. And if the hair in the diseased area has turned white, and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of leprous disease. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. But if the spot is white in the skin of his body and appears no deeper than the skin, and the hair in it has not turned white, 
the priest shall shut up the diseased person for seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And if in his eyes the disease is checked and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall shut him up for another seven days. And the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And if the diseased area has faded and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only an eruption. If he shall wash, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the eruption spreads in the skin, after he has shown himself to the priest for his cleansing, he shall appear again before the priest, and the priest shall look, and if the eruption has spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous disease. We'll stop there for now. All right, again, let's start off. Who to whom is God addressing here? Moses and Aaron. Why is that significant? The responsibility over the holiness in the temple belongs to not Moses, but to Aaron, right? Because he's a, he's the high priest, and his sons are involved in overseeing this. So God impresses, impresses upon the importance of this duty by speaking to both Moses, the prophet, and Aaron, the high priest together about this cleanliness issue. We see this throughout the cleanliness code. The issue here for the priest is to determine if a suspicious skin abnormality will develop into a contagious disease making the person unclean. There are three conditions identified. What are they? What are the three conditions? If the hair turns white. What is the skin? What does it say about the skin? Look at... Swelling, eruption, or spot is the way the ESV translates it. The swelling, what he's looking for, just in case you're wondering, you want to make some determinations on your own in your own mirror, um, is to lift up it, probably some type of skin growth. Not like a skin tag, you know, like old people get, but like just some kind of growth thing that happens. I say old people because... <laughs> um, an eruption is like... a. It, others, other translations render it a rash or a scab. It derives from a, a, a root verb meaning to make scabby, just so you know. They're looking for raised things, scabby things, and then the, the spot is a shiny thing. So we're looking at raised, scabby, or shiny. Those are our three tests on the skin to see. And everybody's going, ah, I just ate breakfast. What are you doing? These are the things that they're looking for to see if, if there's a question about whether or not this is a, a contagious skin disease. Any of these signs may be Leprous, a leprous disease. The word there means plague or mark. And the idea is that the disease has been inflicted on the person. They're the victim of this circumstance. And the priest is to determine whether or not it's contagious. What is someone so inflicted to do? What, what does the priest look for? What are the signs of that this is something that could be contagious? What does it say? The hair turns white. And there's another one too. We'll get to in a second. What does that mean? Well, what could that possibly mean? Do you think that it's actually the color of the hair turns white? You got a whole generation of people just immediately shut out of camp because they've got leprous age. What it's referring to is the dead skin that collects on top of the hair around this sore, and that's the idea: is that it's flaky. 
And it's a con, you know, when you have skin disease stuff, you've got dead skin that's sloughing off. And this is the idea. Anybody want a donut, by the way? Um, <laughs> so you have this hair has turned white, or in, that's in the sore. Um, it's because of the significance of the presence of white flakes of skin covering it, which is typical of skin disease. What's, what's the second thing? The second thing? It's deeper than skin level. <laughs> what does that mean? What do you have in view there, you think? Blood. Maybe? Sore that's going into the flesh. Sore that's going into the flesh. It's going deeper than just like a scratch or some kind of... No, it's not just dirt. <laughs> I would think more than that, yes. This is a, this is a, the idea here is that the skin is getting thicker around the wound. Okay, so if the if the if the gland that the hair is growing out of dies, then if it's very deep, see this is helpful. If it's deep, then the hair turns white because it's dying. The follicles dead. So it's telling me the follicles dead, but it keeps growing. It could be that you're dead under there. Your face is dead. I have a dead have a dead face. I do Ted Pan jokes sometimes. Is that the okay? So. The, the depth of the, 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 the uh, affliction could cause death around the hair follicle that that might turn it white. And so there's a, a thickness too of uh, maybe the skin buildup as it's, as it's, it's deeper. Not that it's going on top of it. Right. Okay, so, so there's a deeper... Uh, how would they determine how deep the wound is from the skin? You just is this a visual? Yeah, yeah. How would you determine that? Just the way that it feels. It does get mushy. Mushy. I mean, like a spider bite mushy. Yeah. Your hair follicles are only in a certain level of skin. Yeah. Whatever the vascular and the muscles and nerves are, that's the second layer. Okay. So if it's involving that, then it's pretty bad. Then it's pretty bad. So. Some, some kind of ulcerated kind of deal? Yeah. Right. Yes. It is. And that, and isn't that interesting? That's exactly what this is. That, and, it, and, and they use it in terms of, there's not like a, a health code. It's the cleanliness code. All this stuff dealing with a skin disease is for the purpose of, can I have fellowship with the community and can I go to the sanctuary? It's, it's a grace for the person involved to be diagnosed with what's going on. But the ultimate purpose is for the community, right? And to keep the sanctuary pure, ritually pure. Doesn't mean you don't care for the person. Doesn't mean that they're not, they're, they're not watched after and all this. But it is a ritual, ritually, it's a way to keep the sanctuary pure. And the congregation ritually pure, so that other people can go to the sanctuary and work God and be in fellowship and covenant fellowship. If if the hair on the sore is turned white, and if the sore has done damage deeper to deeper layers of the skin, um, what happens? The priest can or does. I mean, if both those things are present, the priest does what? He declares them unclean. He declares them unclean. What's the word used? 
He's pronounced unclean. Um, this isn't a secret thing. Why wouldn't it be secret? I mean, gosh, you guys got a skin thing. Let's keep it to ourselves. Because what you just said is to keep the, the rest of the congregation pure, ritually clean in the, in the temple. If they hide it, there's the chance of, okay, well, I'm just going to robe up and go do what I've been doing. Skin's a big organ. You can cover a lot of stuff and people can just casually bump into somebody and not know that they're unclean and go take that to the tabernacle, right? And then you have the tabernacle defiled. You've got to go through all these rituals to get it clean again and it shuts it down and people aren't able to have covenant fellowship with God because of the ritual impurity there. If only. It wouldn't be for a very good movie. <laughs> it always tries. It's too late. You're right. It's the because why the zombie virus spreads, and it does really fast uh, uh, spreading in World War Z. I was amazed at how fast those suckers popped up and just ready to bite. Because, you know, in others, it's just like, okay, we'll give them a few hours, and oh, they're waking up. We probably better go now. You know? <laughs> oh, he's got my leg. That's, it doesn't make any sense. This here, though, <laughs> is a, a pronouncement. It's a judicial act by the priest that's loud, that says, unclean. It's a pronouncement. Everybody, everybody knows it. He's unclean. If you touch up against him, you've got to do the typical ritual things that we'll see later to make yourself clean to go to sanctuary, right? All right. What happens if the priest can't tell one way or the other? And you already mentioned it. If he can't tell one way or the other, there's a time of what? Seven-day period. Seven day period of, of, of quarantine. Quarantine. What's the word used here? It's translated, I think, rightly. Shut them up. What does that mean? Where do you shut them up? Mine says quarantine. <laughs> it's essentially that they're not they're pronounced quarantine, but they're temporary. They're temporarily isolated outside the camp, apart from people or a quarantine area. Everybody wears hazmat, ritual hazmat suits. Does not include zombies. We're moving away from zombies. I'm finding that not helpful for the conversation. It, okay, so they have a place where the, the, the person that is pronounced unclean is, or, or, or that is, there's a question of, of whether or not they're impure is taken away. Again, why is this? Why? Is, what's the, uh, I, don't, I want to keep hammering this. What's the purpose? Guess? But what does it say here? What is it? To protect others. It's a protection of the congregation. What you're saying is it's okay to bring somebody's right, but it's greater for the good. Is it their rights, or is that the culture which they live in? Okay. This could go to vaccines. Okay. Oh, no. You didn't. Eric and his bomb. (laughs) All right, I'm going to eat a donut now. Um, 
If the infection has not spread for seven days after this time of infringing the victim's rights for the greater good, <laughs> then the priest will isolate the person for another seven days. It's up to the discretion of the priest. If the infection is faded, then the priest will declare the person clean. The person is to be restored to the religious community to contact with others and worship in the sanctuary. The requirement then is for them to wash their clothes. Again, it's a ritual cleansing thing to wash the clothes. What happens if it doesn't clear up? If it hasn't spread, then they wait again. Right. If it has spread, he's unclean. Then he's pronounced unclean. If the rash or whatever it is subsequently breaks out and the priest determines that it has spread, then he will pronounce that judicial determination that he's unclean. Um, the way that the, the language works here, it has to be a very significant spreading. It has to be obvious spreading. So that if you're going to infringe on the rights, it's got to be obvious to do that. It's not like they can arbitrarily say, oh, this person's unclean because they dissed me at a party or whatever. This is a very obvious growth and infection that's, that's spreading. So they would be declared ritually unclean. What were the Everybody knows that this person has some kind of uh, skin disease that would cause them to be really impure. They're not allowed to go to the tabernacle. People are aware of how to handle them when they're around uh, so that they either have to wash themselves or unclean till sundown or whatever the ramifications of touching someone with that, that impurity. They are declared to be and remain unclean unless, and we'll see here in a second, unless it clears up later. So, and that's a good segue into the next section. Right, right. There's not a seven-day, seven-day window anymore. It's just until it's until it's fixed, until it's, uh, it clears up. All right, let's look at uh, verse nine. When a man is afflicted, and this has already been determined, he's afflicted. This isn't this isn't a uh, uh, we got to diagnose it. This is it. He's already afflicted. When a man is afflicted with a leprous disease, he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall look. And if there is a white swelling in the skin that has turned the hair white, and there is raw flesh in the swelling, it is a chronic leprous disease in the skin of his body, and the priest shall pronounce him unclean. He shall not shut him up, for he is unclean. You see how that works? He's not forever quarantined. But they just know what they're dealing with. Right? Um and if the leprous disease breaks out in the skin so that the leprous disease covers all the skin of the diseased person from head to foot, so far as the priest can see, then the priest shall look, and if the leprous disease has covered all his body, he shall pronounce him clean of the disease. It has all turned white, and he is clean. That's odd. But when raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. And the priest shall examine the raw flesh and pronounce him unclean. Raw flesh is unclean, for it is a leprous disease. And the priest shall examine him, and if the disease has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce the diseased person clean. He is clean. What in the world's going on here? That's confusing. We've got a chronic disease issue, yes? Person's already been pronounced, been found to be unclean, they have a leprous disease, it's ongoing. What is a sign? What is the sign here of it not of it of him being able to be clean? What's the spread head to toe? But what is the color? Right. 
it's white and there's no raw flesh. So the idea is that it's, it's covered the guy, but that there's new skin on top of it. It's growing back. It's white skin. Baby skin. It's all white. And so the idea is it's run its course. Whatever it is. It was leprous. It's still, you know, considered leprous, but because it's showing signs of healing, he's declared unclean, uh, he's declared clean from that, from, from white skin showing that it's healing. The opposite of that is it's not healing. In fact, the skin is breaking down and it's what's called raw flesh, right? Does that make sense? Doesn't change that there was leprosy there. It just shows where the trend is going. Right? Contagious versus not contagious. Right. It's not going to harm others. And, and it may be that it is actually clearing, you know, if it's clearing up. Alright, this second set of tests deals with severe chronic conditions. The priest is not diagnosing, but addressing ongoing infectious skin problems. What, what's the symptoms he's looking for? We've said it. There's this white swelling in the skin. The hair has turned white. There's that flaking again. And the flesh is raw in the swelling. Raw flesh, the word that's used there, literally means living flesh. It's active. Don't it? It's active. Um, and it indicates an ulcerated flesh that is open or bleeding. It speaks of a chronic condition. And the term for chronic there means old, like this is an ongoing thing, an ongoing deal. Severe, long-standing condition. There's no need for quarantine here due to the open and obvious nature of the sore. Everybody knows that he's unclean just from the open, obvious nature of it. Verses 12 and 13. What's, what's going on here? I kind of gave, I gave it away early because I saw the look on your faces about the white skin. But this, I have a question about verse 11. Yeah, sure. Why is, why does it say, I missed, I missed what you said while you were reading it. He shall not shut him up for he is unclean. Why is that the exact opposite of what we did? Because before it was a question, it had one of the signs, but maybe not one of the, maybe not the other. Maybe the hair was white, but there wasn't thick skin, and so they quarantined him off. But here, it's an open and obvious sore. It's raw flesh sore. In other words, if you're unclean, you're pronounced unclean, but you're free to free to roam about the cabin, uh, right? Right. Yeah. Well, leprous as they determine leprous. I mean, it's not a, it's not Hansen's disease where you know you got some pretty graphic things going on. It's still just a, a constant skin rash, irritant, or, you know, open sore kind of thing. But he's still able to function, like you said, like a, 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 as a general. And it's the same thing. The idea is the same here. It's obvious. That that's something there, and so people don't have to have a pronouncement because we just we see it, or maybe he's already been pronounced and has never been pronounced clean. So we just covered head from head to foot. The idea here with this this uh, the white skin is that the skin is not broken. In fact, in verse thirteen, it indicates the skin is all turned white or is healed skin. It's all uniform. The idea is. There's, there's uniformity there with his skin. There's not disruption. Wholeness, uh, the picture of wholeness is the picture of purity, right? If, the, if something's whole, then it's pure. If it's not whole, if we have open wounds, then the, the visual is that it's not 
spiritually pure. Again, this is not saying don't have compassion on those who are sick. It's not, this is not, that's not what this is about. This is about a ritual distinctiveness in Israel uh, in relation to God, in relation to each other, as far as ritual purity in the tabernacle. All right. New skin has grown over the infected areas, therefore he's clean. Notice that contrary to the white flesh that's healed, the sores that... I'm getting itchy. The sores here are oozing and red and active. They're indications of chronic and severe disease. The person has not been healed and has to be declared ritually unclean and impure. And we see that stark contrast again at the end at 16 and 17. Raw flesh turning white is the skin returning to its original condition and was a sign that healing was beginning. When this happened, the person was to be considered clean, but if the raw flesh continued again or appeared again, the person was considered unclean. All right. That's two of the seven cases that we'll be looking at over the next few weeks. Yay! Uh, Don't I think... I think that the idea we'll, you'll see will be the same through them, and we'll continue to talk about it, that, that it's, it's dealing with distinctiveness in Israel. There's a holiness that is required for people to be in the tabernacle, and these visuals of what, what was the skin broken going to reflect is an impurity. It's not right. It's not the way it's created to be. So it's not pure. Right? That's, that's the idea there. The purpose was to protect the congregation as a whole. It was a public pronouncement to, reflect, to, to protect them from ignorantly becoming unclean. They may not have known about the person's condition. It may be hidden well, and others would come into contact with it and unknowingly head to the sanctuary defiling the palace of the great king. And we've discussed that the pictures at issue here in the cleanliness code is wholeness equals purity. It's a visual of the heart. Turn to 1 Corinthians 5. I want you to look at the language very carefully here. Paul dealing with a moral issue uh, at, at Corinth. He's not there. And he's dealing with a moral issue away from them. And he says in verse 1, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans for a man has his father's wife and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us, therefore, celebrate the festival, not with old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, 
but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. What's going on here? What's Paul's concern here? What's, what's the biggest issue he has here? Is it that this guy is sinning? It's affecting everybody else, and how is the re- how are they responding? They're bo- what are they boasting in? What would you have to boast about this? Number one, the they should know as Jews, you know, those who are familiar with the Old Testament, even though they're Gentiles, they're still uh, true Jews according to Paul and Romans. They should know Leviticus, and that eighteen seven and eight says you don't do this. And we'll get into that in a few weeks, months, uh, maybe years. You don't do this. The idea here is that this guy has uh, uh, shacked up with his dad's wife. Uh, there's, no, I, there's no incidents here of, of saying that it's a divorce situation. Um, there's no, or, 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 let me say it this way. There's no accusation of adultery. Uh, so there, he may have divorced her because of this. His dad may have divorced her because of this. It's not saying that it's his biological mother, probably stepmother issue. But it's a, such a character that not even the, the pagans would be engaged in some kind of... And, and for him to say that about Corinth is a big deal because they are engaged in all kinds of nonsense. It's in the church. And what is the church doing? They're, it's just, they're, you're arrogant. Arrogant about What? Why would they be arrogant? What, what, what's the basis of it? We're saved, we can do whatever we want. Let sin abound so that grace may abound all the more kind of idea? Maybe. Well, there's a lot of grace here, right? They're boasting, it could be two things. One, uh, we're so tolerant. We're, we're just so tolerant, uh, and and we accept all kind. We our doors are open. We accept all kinds of family structures. Let's not judge. Or it could say it could they could be boasting in. We we love them so much in Jesus that we don't want to judge. Now, who is it doing this? Is this some backwoods church? No, these are those who've been identified as being really I, 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 having a lot of faith in, a lot of um, zeal for the celebrity preachers of the day. They were part of the gospel coalitions. I am of Piper. I am of MacArthur. I am of Sproul. I am of these were the guys: Apollos, Paul, Cephas. 
And even the really spiritual faction was, I'm of Jesus. These guys were well taught. They They were well learned. They were very blessed with a lot of spiritual gifts of the day. Talk about that sometime. They were very immersed and had great evidence of the Spirit working in their body. And yet, what? Tolerate this? The Corinthians don't seem to see a need for discipline. Paul diagnoses the sickness that they apparently did not see or refused to see. This was reported, it was known, and they did nothing about it. They had been carefully taught by Paul and the other celebrity pastors and about the need for holiness. They knew all the right stuff. They had their favorite celebrity preachers. They knew all the doctrine. Yes? They read the, they read the latest, latest Kevin DeYoung book. Except for a hole in our holiness. They didn't read that one, apparently. They had all the stuff. Yet Paul's indictment against them is for their arrogance in tolerating persistent gross sin among them. The flesh was raw. This is obvious. The soul was deep. They were all coming into contact with it and it seems either celebrating the sin as freedom in Christ or their toleration of it as the love of Christ. Nobody pronounced this unclean. They didn't deal with it. Nobody cared that the reputation of the church and the gospel was being trashed. This sin did not even exist among the Gentiles. Well, hey, at least we're not acting like the Corinthian church. Yikes! At least our divorce rate is better than theirs. Right? There is a, 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 a trashing of the gospel. As true Jews, they should know that God did not tolerate sexual abominations like those addressed in Leviticus 18, and neither should they. I want to make this point. This is not a one-time thing that he's talking about. There's a difference How deep is the wound? Right? How chronic is the illness? This is not a one-time thing, but a persistent, open, obvious rebellion against the holiness of Christ that's going on in this church. The Corinthian church. Going on in the Corinthian church. Um, Open and obvious. The wound is deep. It's seen. It's lived out large that even the Gentile world knows about it. There's a difference there. Do we understand that? There's a difference in, oh, he gossiped about me yesterday. i got to go take it to the... No, that's different. This is open and obvious and raw. This is not a one-time thing, but a continuous and open sin. The shocking thing to Paul is that no one was mourning this sin in their midst. Notice, too, the call for the type of approach they should have taken. Boasting, arrogant, our tolerance of it shows uh, you know, the love of Christ and our, and, our, and our great intellect. We've rationalized why this is a good thing. I just feel like it's good. 
He calls on them to what? To mourn. To mourn. Think about that individually. Do we mourn over our own battle against the sin remaining in our hearts? Is there a mourning or is there a rationalization? Do we mourn over the sin that we see displayed sometimes in the body of Christ? Sometimes among certain celebrity pastors. Sometimes in our local body. Do we mourn over that or do we take arrogance and boastfulness the other direction and revile somebody who's open and obvious in a sin rather than mourn and call them back to repentance and faith? See, there's a difference in purging the evil person from your midst the way Paul is calling them to do it and the way that the new sexual ethic religion in our country is doing it. For them, it's revile, we make up cute slogans and we chant and drown people out so they don't have an opposite view. That's not what Paul's calling for here. We don't chant and get people out of the church. That's not what, that's not what he's saying. There's a mourning because of the affliction against the gospel, against the body of Christ and the reputation of holiness that we're to have in the culture the church is to be the picture of Jesus. It's to reflect Him. They were so self-confident and satisfied that they rationalized or excused wicked behavior. Let the one who has done this be removed from among you. Paul says he needs to be quarantined. Why? That's so judgmental. That's hypocritical. Yeah, but don't we all sin? Don't we all sin? Why would we do this? Why would Paul advocate this? Where is he pulling this from? Yes, and somewhere else. Somewhere, somewhere inspired because it's in red. Jesus, always a good answer in Sunday school. Matthew 18, right? Isn't that where he's pulling this from? The steps being, if you see a brother in gross sin or sin, he's sinned against you and there's some kind of conflict going on, you go to him. You don't immediately run to church leadership. You go to them first. Try to reconcile. They don't reconcile. They don't repent. There's some still going on. You take two witnesses with you. This is going on. Yeah, it's going on. I don't care. What are you going to do about it? Then you take them to the church. And the church sets them out. See, this is not where we are in our culture, is it? This is so... That's not... Jesus wouldn't do that. He wrote... He said Matthew 18. Jesus wouldn't do that. He said it. Not me. Not Philip. Not the Gospel Coalition. Not even together for the Gospel. They didn't say it either. This is red. He said it. This is the way we're to discipline ourselves. Why? Be holy as I'm holy. Right? Isn't that the goal? Leviticus, we see that again and again. Be holy as I'm holy. Judge yourselves. Discipline yourselves. What's the method he uses? Look at the language Paul uses here. What the church had failed to do, Paul does. He says, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. Has, has Paul never read Matthew 7? Judge not lest you be judged. I mean, I... You just went over Matthew 18. 
<laughs> exactly. He examines the wound. He examines what's going on. He's using here the language of Leviticus 13. It's public and for the purpose of protecting the congregation. And it should be done in mourning. Not arrogant. Not with a smirk on her face. We got this guy. It's mourning. What's the method? He, verse 2 says, Remove from among you. And verse 4 he says, When you're all together in the name of the Lord, in His power and with His approval, deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Looking back at Matthew 18 here, Paul is calling for the Christians to thrust this believer back into the world on his own, apart from the care and support of Christian fellowship. This guy's forfeited his right to participation in the church. Deliver is a judicial act of sentencing. A true believer belongs to Christ and has the absolute assurance that he will be saved. But an unrepentant believer may be turned over to suffer greatly in discipline for his rebellion. It indicates that this incestuous man eventually will die unless he repented of his sin. He would go to heaven if he was a true believer, but he would go before his natural time. Such is the zeal with which the Lord protects the purity of his church. Verses 9 and 11 say, Don't even associate with sexually immoral people who bear the name brother, not even eat with such a one. 13 says, Purge the evil person from among you. But we do this in mourning. A disciplined brother is still a brother and is never to be despised even when unrepentant. He's still a brother. But put him out, it says, and do it with mourning. 2 Thessalonians 3, If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. If a disciplined brother repents, he is to be forgiven and restored in love. Galatians 6, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should hold yourselves aloof no, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Tempted to what? His sin? No, your own. Your own. My own. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Why do this? Why not err on the side of peace? He says it. A little leaven leavens a whole lump, right? What was leaven? When did they not use leaven? Do you remember? Passover. The idea here is that they're taking something from the old world and bringing it into the new and then it infects everybody. It spreads. They were told not to use leaven on the day of their exodus from Egypt and Paul completes that picture uh, with Christ as the Passover lamb. One of the greatest protections from sin that we have as Christians is simply focusing on Christ and His sacrifice for us. His death for sin applied to us calls us away from sin. It is impossible to be engulfed with the truth and beauty and mercy of Jesus and be engulfed in sin. It's impossible. Something suffers. Either my rebellion suffers or my love for Jesus suffers. Right? If I'm, if I'm grabbing onto one, the other one's weaker. The feast in Jesus should be continual. The joy of it should drive us to devotion and purity and rejection of sin. As a side note, where should this discipline take place? 
at Starbucks, in the Student Union Building, at oh, at the Foundry. Stop it. <laughs> it's in the church, right? I don't go to some pro-gay marchers and start telling them about you're being. You know, I I I kick you out of my circle. I'm not in your circle. God judges those on the outside. We discipline. The judgment of, of, of the church is on the church, not on outsiders. What are we supposed to take to outsiders? It doesn't mean, and I know, it doesn't mean that we can't make pronouncements. Maybe you aren't. It doesn't mean that we, we don't make pronouncements on what is right. That, that doesn't, that doesn't uh, clip us from, from the, the duty to make righteous judgments on the culture. But we don't condemn them or put them out or not have anything to do with it. Otherwise, we'd have to go find another planet, Paul says. We live in a world. And we need to be sharing the gospel in the world. Right? What were you going to say? I was just going to say... I was just going to say... Yeah. And so it's good. that personal responsibility of he comes to present himself, hey, I think I might I might need some help. That's good. I might be infecting other people. Right. Or maybe his neighbor goes, Dude, we gotta go because yeah. you're looking bad. Is that your finger? <laughs> <laughs> we gotta go to the priest. Right. 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 That's true. Is the person with it enough to and, and love his neighbor enough to go to the priest and say, "I might be unclean. I don't want to infect my brothers." Even it means, Even it means I'll be, I'll be quarantined. Or do notice it's also an act of, of mercy too for them to bring him in and have this thing addressed. Um, anyway. I've seen the thing in Matthew eighteen in my life done twice. Yeah, yeah, there's a... And, and had, had it, it just, and he said, fine, I won't be a member anymore. Yeah. Uh, and then there was another instance where my, my dad was a missionary in Hawaii growing up, and our head deacon was living out of wedlock with a lady. So my dad went privately, then with the deacon, then brought it before the church on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And the church said, we lived in Hawaii, so they said he's a Japanese man, it's his prerogative. And so we left. And about 15 years later, he yeah, he re- yeah, it took a. So sometimes it takes, sometimes it takes, it, it, even when the church doesn't do what it's supposed to, sometimes God still works repentance in someone's heart. So for those of y'all that have people that you're praying for, there's always hope. Right, there is because God is sovereign. Um, all right, that does not mean that we are not standard bearers. But if we operated this way, where we cut off chronic sinners outside the church, we'd have to find another planet. I said that already. We are called to have contact with unbelievers so that the gospel may have its effect. But how we live as a body gives credibility for what we say to the world as individuals. The goal is what? Purity in Christ. That's the goal. In our passage today, we see the picture of new flesh being white. That's often 
a motif in the Bible for holiness, for forgiveness, for purity. Paul, uh, David says it this way in Psalm 51, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. See the idea there. The sickness that's on me is clean by the washing of God. Repentance, forgiveness, restoration, all lead to the praise of Christ. And that's the focus of church discipline, which is always a fun topic to talk about. But that's the focus. It's restoration. You want them to repent. You want new flesh to be there. You want healing to happen. That's what you want. So that it all leads to the praise of Christ. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Notice how they're linked. Who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like an eagle's. Redounds to the praise and the glory of Christ, who gave His life for and purchased the forgiveness, the redemption, and the restoration that is called for um, in, in a disciplined situation. Does that make sense? Have I beat that horse to death yet? We got five more incidences of this, so we'll go through chapter 13. Any other questions and comments? I find it interesting you said um, a little bit ago that it's, you know, it's the people in Israel that the, the skin abnormality, it was as if they were clean on the inside, but they were being infected from the outside. Mm -hmm. I think that's an interesting perspective because after we're saved, God has ripped out our heart of stone and replaced it with our flesh. So, from one stance, we are clean already. Right. But at the same time, we get we get downtrodden by our flesh. We get um, tempted from the outside, mm -hmm. and it spreads. If it's yeah. unchecked, it spreads. Right. And that's why it's so, it's so important. That's why it's a, it's a really good analogy with the contagious nature of, of these skin. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I just I thought that was interesting that it's. It's not a disease that's coming from the inside out. Right. It's coming from the outside in. Outside and going deeper and deeper. Yeah, it's true. Good point. Good point. Any any other any other comments? Questions? Fruit to be thrown. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this picture of holiness and our need for um, constant assessment not only of our own lives but to to be in each other's lives not in a busybody sort of way but but in accountability sort of way because we're all in this together you save us individually but you put us in a body and a wounded member can affect the rest of the body so, Father, let us be open to correction. Let us be humble in uh, addressing one another about matters of holiness, not so that we can get one up on each other, but out of a concern for the reputation of the church and Christ before a watching world, and also just the reflection of who you are and your, and your glory and your beauty and your holiness. We want to we do that. We want to do that well. So would you help us to learn to do this rightly. 
that we'd be effective on chronic issues, that we wouldn't find every spurious sin as immediately a discipline issue, but that we would repent of them quickly and restore our love for one another quickly in those situations. But if there's something deeper, give us the wisdom and grace and a heart of mourning to approach it rightly so that your gospel may be protected and the body may be protected and the one who is sick may be restored. We pray for these things in Christ's name. Amen.